This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We can play it now because... We know how to play it. I have no... I have no... Uh, I'd buy no some... Battle. I, I'm not part of this You've got no but dog in the fight is what you're trying to get to there. You really but Skeeter and uh, Tomo aren't here. Skeeter and Tomo, Tomo aren't here, so... You can play and sing as loud as you want. Can I ask you a question before we get to the big cat and talk about um, talk about the tips? He's, he's he obviously has taken a little bit of time to recover. There's only five uh, tips today compared to the normal around ten. But <clears throat> in terms of uh, right now downstairs at the moment, mm-hmm. Guy Pierce is with uh, ah, yes. and he's known as he's, he's a long boy. He's a massive cat man. man. Yep. Would you say he's one of the best known? Australian, Australian actors Absolute, over the last 20 or 25 years? Absolutely. I know who Guy Pearce is. Would you say almost everybody would know? Well, most Australians, if they watch enough mm. cinema, I would have thought they would know Guy Pearce. Well, it's interesting. I I'm, don't just, know. I'm just pulling up. There's been a few good good movies he's been in. You mentioned... Uh, uh, Memento or Memento, LA Confidential. Yeah, yeah. LA Confidential, The Rover. The, there's heaps, obviously. Mm. Neighbours, his, his start. But yeah, he's full. Uh, he's fully Hollywood now. Matty, so. Le- Matty, Le- but Big Cat, you you would know who Guy Pearce is, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, he's, I'm just reading about him on on Wikipedia now. <laughs> he uh, he started on Neighbours, I think. Is that right? He was Mike yeah. on Neighbours. Uh, I remember yeah. he, he went out with playing Jane Superbrain, who was played by. And he's something, and they were best friends with Kylie and, and Jason or, or Scott and Charlene. He was in Animal Kingdom, The King's Speech, which are two. Um, the King's Speech as well. Yep, The King's sounds Speech. He was. It sounds like he's got a pretty, pretty very, stacked resume, doesn't he? fairly famous, but Zoe uh, out the back there has never heard of him. Well, I wasn't going to mention the fact that Zoe hadn't heard of him there. but Never the, heard the, of him. The, 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 You've stepped in. <laughs> she comes in and she goes, the girls the girls in the office are freaking out. I've got no idea who he is. <laughs> Zoe's been the cool kid in the corner just yeah. like, who? You don't worry me. Who? I don't even know who you are. Guy. He's only a Hollywood Guy, actor. whatever your name is. Mm. Uh, uh, before we get into the tips. The Hurt Locker. He was uh, in the, the Hurt Locker. Uh, before we get into the tips, Big Cat, very exciting on uh, on Sunday night and I'm sure you would you would have been at the game. I think you were at the game. I think I saw you tweet about the atmosphere there, and uh, hopefully you didn't get involved in any of the fisticuffs afterwards. But what a feeling! Thanks, Jase. Yeah, um, gee, it was an exciting um, exciting day. Um, they got a bigger crowd than Anzac Day. Um, I couldn't tell you the last time that Anzac Day was not the biggest home and away crowd of the year, but they got eighty eight thousand compared to eighty four at Anzac Day, and. Um, just the uh, the theatre of it all, given the ramifications of the outcome of the match for both teams, but particularly for Carlton, um, the drama of those that last five minutes where Collingwood essentially kicked uh, three or four goals, I think, in the last five, five minutes of playing time. And when Jamie Elliott kicked that final goal, um, I, I don't think 
in all the years I've been going to the G, I don't think I've ever experienced an atmosphere at the MCG quite like that moment when Jamie Elliott put that goal through to put Collingwood up with a minute to go. Um, so it was, uh, it was certainly a moment that uh, that I'll treasure, but it all means nothing now because uh, on to the finals. Oh, still means something, but yes. It, no, no, well, certainly by getting that goal, it means that... Uh, we've got the double chance. Uh, it also mean, meant for Carlton that they would not be playing finals this year. But I tell you what, I think the Carlton Collingwood rivalry, the old school one, the one that I grew up in, where a bloke named a mate, I reckon, of JD's Wayne, the dominated Johnson, used to tear us apart on a regular basis. When I when I was growing up and knew the same, but Collingwood Carlton was the biggest rivalry. In a weird way, I think it's it's waned a little bit over. Over you know several years, particularly when Carlton were in the doldrums and and they were easy beats, it just didn't feel quite the same. But I reckon it got uh, it certainly got re live and re engaged on Sunday night, didn't it? Yeah, I think there are a couple of reasons why um, the rivalry is probably not quite what it was. The first one is that it's been a long, long time since both teams have been a force at yeah. the same time. Um, like Collingwood have had some down patches over the last sort of thirty years as well, but. Carlton haven't been in the finals very often over that period. So when you, when you know both teams aren't near the top of the tree like they were back through the 70s and 80s, then um, obviously the the rivalry wanes a little bit. But furthermore, when Anzac Day started in 1995, um, all of a sudden that lifted Collingwood Essendon to to become the rivalry, and therefore Carlton versus Collingwood rivalry sort of slipped a little bit to the wayside because all of a sudden Collingwood-Essendon was the new big rivalry because of Anzac Day every year as well. So there's a couple of reasons there, but um, the way both teams are going at the moment, uh, they're both going to be sort of in that upper echelon for the next few years, I think. So, you know, it could be a a pretty fun few years for those who... um, Go to the Collingwood Carlton games at the G each time. I'm thinking the uh, the weird segue here as we go to the tips at Tabcorp Park, Melton uh, race four. Um, the blue colours or or predominantly blue colours will be worn by Gypsy Princess, who I think is a pretty nice horse. It's not the favourite, but it is three ten, and I've got a funny feeling it's the one you're going with. Am I right or wrong here, Big Cat? You are correct, Jase. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's some handy fillies going around here for the three year old fillies and. And there's a couple here uh, that I think might go on to become Metropolitan Mayors down the track. Um, number one, leave your hat on. It led first up from a spell last time and, and couldn't run uh, out the trip over the mile. But it wouldn't surprise me if they wanted to hold the front again, despite it being over the 22.40. So, therefore, I'm Princess Natalie. It was an impressive uh, winner last start, first up for 13 months. I think it might be left to breeze. So, therefore, it really opens up the race as a bit of a sweepers race. And I think the best of those sweepers might be number seven, Gypsy Princess, Jodie Quinlan and Craig Demler. Um, this uh, this filly, she's first up for about seven weeks, so I expect her to be probably driven cold. But what we find with Melton on these midweek meetings is that the track doesn't necessarily play leader-dominated like it does when the, when the Metropolitan horses are there on a weekend. So tonight's meeting, I expect there to be still some opportunities where sweepers can win, and I think this one might be one of them. So if you go back seven weeks, she won back-to-back races before having to freshen up um, at Cranbourne and Kilmore. I'm just hoping that uh, I'm Princess Natalie doesn't roll to the top because if she does, then she's obviously very, very hard to beat. But if she's caught in the breeze outside, number one, leave your hat on, then uh, it brings Gypsy Princess right into it to run all over them late. So that's race four, number seven, Gypsy Princess. Race four, number seven, Gypsy Princess for Craig Demler and Jodie Quinlan, who, of course... 
combined with O Fortuna going back about uh, now 10 days ago or 11 to go, days ago at Tabcourt Park. Mountain Race 9. We're going to the last two races on the card now. Favourite is Seaside Sister. Bring the Flav. Oh, it's supposed to be something special, Bring the Flav. And a couple of others. In fact, it's a wide open market. Which Have you seen this one, Big Cat? Um, yeah, over the 1700, I think Seaside Sister looks really well suited here. Um, the, she's a horse that I think, despite winning last time over the middle trip at Cranbourne, I think she's always been the sort of horse that goes much, much better over the sprint trip. So she has good gate speed, drawing barrier one over the 1700 around Melton. That's just perfect conditions for her. So she shouldn't have any issues holding the lead. She's got enough speed to do that. There's a little bit of speed out wider from Romney Brown, Ring the Slave, Twist Bliss. But um, I think the horse that will probably be leaders back, which is Van Gogh, is well down on, on form. So, therefore, I'm happy for Seaside Sister to hold the front here over the short trip, knowing that the horse on its back is down on its best form. And, therefore, all of her dangers are going to have to come wide on the tra- off the track around her on the last lap to round her up. So, you can still get 280 out there, which I think is a, a terrific price. Um, that's race nine, number one, Seaside Sister. Hopefully, you can lead all the way over the short trip. Race nine, number one, Seaside Sister, and race 10, at Melton um, is the Villawood Properties at pace over 2,240 metres. You gain another one of these uh, really nice and low-grade races. I find them very hard to work out. Some other judges love them. Who have you found in the last to get out stakes at Melton tonight? Please, Big Cat. Yeah, I generally don't like betting too much into these really low-grade um, races, but there's a horse here. It's a it's a funny horse and quite inconsistent. Number four, good looking rooster. But mm. um, I've backed it here, and I think if you go on its win two starts back at Shepparton, where it went like an absolute jumbo jet, if it can replicate that sort of performance, then it probably should be winning this. Uh, it's got gate speed. The the bit of a query is that it can get pulling quite hard, but I think that's worth the risk today uh, for Olivia Whedon back to run the gate and try and lead on it. Because I think the horse is drawn to its inside will be happy to take the sit, knowing that it is a, a bit of a mad puller who just runs along. So if it can lead and not pull too hard, then I think it, it, it only has to replicate that shepherd and win to, to go very close again. Um, it's been 370 and 290. Uh, I, I think it starts favourite purely because it looks the leader. Um, but as I said, it just comes down to whether it can, can not pull too hard and produce its best form because it doesn't always produce it. So... That's race 10, number four, good-looking rooster. Race 10, number four, good-looking rooster. We'll come back with a couple of the other tips after the news, but uh, just a brief mention. I, I certainly, I've thought it for a few years, uh, Big Cat, but I was watching that My Lightning Blue free-for-all. Wouldn't mind your thoughts on a couple of them, actually, from Saturday night, but we might do that when we get back from the break. But I've, I've constantly thought that the, the best, most exciting uh, race you might have, not for the best horse, but the best race, would be that short course trip uh, with a preferential draw and a full second row, which is something different to what they have up at Menangle because really that was um, that was in many ways a very, very exci- exciting race on, on Saturday night. And the 2,240-metre week in, week out, or fortnight in, fortnight out free-for-alls quite often um, are just dominated at the top end or the good horses get their chance to get there. But the beautiful thing about mile racing, and I – I prefer long trip racing, but the beautiful thing about mile racing, in my opinion, is that there's just nowhere to hide and every every metre matters. Yeah, I, I heard what you said earlier when you were bruising on. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, 
if you were to introduce a slot race or something similar at Melton and run it over the 1720, the issue is that all of a sudden the you know the, the horses that are drawn back row are pretty much out of play because Melton plays such leader biased when the good horses are there um, that it would be almost impossible for anything to come from the back row and go around the field and, and win. The difference with running a feature race such as the Miracle Mile over the mile at Menangle is every horse at Menangle is off the front row. So essentially, even if you're drawn wide, you still get a chance to put yourself on the front end if your gate speed's quick enough. So that's the, the difference between Menangle and the example we'd see where it'd be a seven and three formation at Melton over the 1700 if they ran a big race there over the 1700. Um, so I think at Melton, it would be not suitable to run a big race like that over the 1700 because half the field are more or less out of place straight away. I, I, I do see what you're saying. It's In a way, what where you're coming from is partly the point, the same place as I'm coming from, is that it would be extremely hard for the real big dogs to win. So we've already got the most prestigious races. I'm always more thinking of the idea of giving everyone an opportunity because if Lock and Varart turned up in the in the headspace that he was in when he won the four-year-old Bonanza, he could start he could start a day after the others and probably still beat them. But um, it's an interesting point to raise programming. I do want more staying races, but I really enjoyed that race on Saturday night. We'll come back. A couple more tips from the big cat, and also we might discuss a couple of the, the, um, the major performances or the – the champion or headline horse name performances from Saturday night. Find out what he thought of Lock and Varad, what he thought of Catch a Wave and a couple of others. Stick with us. We'll be back in a moment. It's a Tuesday edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track. You're listening to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back to Trot's Life. Bonner's just had to duck out momentarily. He'll be back shortly. We will get back to Matty Leopard after our next break. Get some more tips off him as well. 0499 736 736. Join us throughout the day. Cam Luke's back. Campbell Brown will be here as well. And they've got winners galore. And we're at the bull today. Sammy Highland's got one running in race three. Police camp, the second favourite on the cards. Bonners is back now, so we won't go to that break I was going to go to. Right. Hello, Bob. Oh, very well. How Welcome. are you? I'm good. I'm Lovely. Good. Uh, um, Maddie's still on the line. Uh, Maddie, uh, some thoughts on, I think I think I would know what your thoughts are here. Just a little bit of extra music there at the end. Uh, Lock and Varad, first of all. Yeah, there was um, a bit of negativity around his performance on social media by certain people, but I thought uh, it was a more, more than a pass mark first up. I think it was a brilliant tactical drive by Jack Law to keep rolling. So the four quarters were 28-6, 28-2, 27-6 and 28-4. So the two quickest quarters were the middle half, which is the, the patch where Lock and Varart made the move around. So therefore, Lock and Varart never really got a breath at all. He was working through a 55 middle half just to get up outside the leader. And he was still very strong through the line as well. And Torrid Saint was sort of out on his feet the last 50. But um, So I thought I thought the performance was full of merit. They went 151.7, which over the short course at Melton, that's, in my opinion, a, sort of like a sub-50 mile around Menangle. Yeah. So it, it was a very good performance first up, working off the track. And um, he, was only, he was only going to be fitter. Uh, if Jack Law hadn't have kept rolling through the middle stages, I think Loggenvarat gets up outside him cheaply and sort of, ends up bullying him and winning the race. But um, I guess, you know, 
all the plaudits go to Jack Law for the, for the tactical drive to keep rolling and never let Lock and Barrett have a breather, and that was the difference. Yeah, it was a perfect drive, wasn't it? I've, I've, uh, I've deified it in the um, in the Herald Sun today, and uh, I've been trying to get Jackie on actually to have a little bit of a chat. He, he can be a little bit, uh, he might be a little bit shy exactly how far I've gone in the Herald Sun today. I thought he's drive both on. Lock and Varane and Captain Belisario, so uh, disparate in nature, were both outstanding. Catch a wave. Thoughts there? Um, yeah, he's not the complete package yet. Um, he's obviously got loads of ability. But what we've seen since he's come back as a three-year-old, so not just on the weekend, but the, the short campaign he had earlier in the season as well, um, he's just still got a bit to learn. Um, earlier in the year, we saw that he was pulling quite hard. Uh, on the weekend, he, he sort of hung in a little bit up the straight. So he's 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 got plenty of ability, but once he gets up against horses like Leap to Fame and possibly a Cooter, if he comes over, you can't do things wrong like that if you're going to be winning derbies or Brutus Crowns as a late three-year-old. And from what we saw in, in Queensland during the winter, what Leap to Fame showed that he's capable of doing, he is the complete package as a three-year-old. He's very tractable, plus he's got as much ability as catch a wave. So if I was to compare the two at the moment, I'd lean towards catch, uh, sorry, lead to fame purely because he's a much more complete racehorse. But if Andy can sort of sort catch a wave out and, and the horse can continue to learn with more racing, then he, there's a chance he still might end up the better horse down the track. But um, I think that's where they sit at the moment. As much ability as catch a wave. Yes. Lead to fame. Yep. You're saying as much abil- as much raw oh, natural ability as catch a wave. Catch a wave, but he's a more rounded product at the moment. Interesting. Um, right, let's go to... Uh, let's I believe go- so, yeah. Uh, yeah the, well, what Lead to fame did in that derby um, yeah. on, on the big night in Queensland was amazing. I think uh, it's so it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Watching horses at age restricted level, and um, you even go back to Lock and Varan. I mean, he lost so many races as a three year old, but he was just massive. You could tell he was going to be he was going to be the future freak of that generation. He had so many unlucky runs in big races, and I I feel the same way about uh, about Catch a Wave. I just, but you are right. He's got a lot to learn before he's the complete package. And the thing is. You didn't never know whether you're ever going to get the complete package with a racing animal. You can say, well, down the track, he'll be here and he'll be there. But um, the horse has got to actually progress to that level as well. Race three, I think, at Menangle, we're having a squeeze out. What do we like there, Big Cat? Yeah, there's one that I've just backed uh, on an each-way basis here. It's a very open race. Um, but I'm siding with uh, number one here, Bluestone, for Davey Morris. Um it's a horse that uh, originally came from Western Australia, but it's been in Sydney for for quite a while now, and it's it hasn't run a place in its last five runs, but it's been screaming out for a barrier draw. It gets barrier one today. Its last five runs have started from gate eight, eight, five, eight, seven, and from those draws at Menangle, it's not easy to lead. Um, down the fence today, it's got the option whether it wants to hold the front or sit leaders back. It does have good gate speed, so I could probably hold the front if it wanted to. But uh, even if it took a sit, I'll be more than happy with that as well, as long as it's no further than leaders back. So they bet six dollars this morning. So at around six dollars, uh, I thought it was a good each way. Bet's into four twenty now, but it's sort of hard to see it missing a place from uh, in an eight horse field from barrier one. So uh, on an each way basis, I just thought it was a safe each way bet. That's race three number one, Bluestone. Race three number one, Bluestone, and then we go to Albion Park up at the Creek. 
Place that uh, Matty was enjoying himself not so long ago for race eight on their card at 4.17, final leg of the quaddy. And the favourite is the Grog Father. The Grog Father. It's been a slight drift that there's been money for uh, saving Major Percy. And also at much bigger odds, Swayze's been well spicked. 26 down to 12, down to $8. What do you like in race eight at Albion Park? What did we pick this one out, Big Cat? Um, I think, well, I'm hoping I've got the map right here because if I have, then I'm really keen on number 10, Saving Major Percy for Pete McMullen and Donnie Smith. Number one, Golden Sand. Um, it, it looks like it should be the leader. It, it has good gait speed and it's the sort of horse that they like to just lead and run along flat out the whole way. And I think number two, the Grog Father, will want to run the gate and hold the breeze outside of number one. So I'm hoping if Shane Graham runs the gate on the Grog Father, then that sends numbers three, four, five, six, seven all back at the start. And therefore, saving Major Percy, who starts from gate two on the second row and follows through the Grogfather, I'm hoping can therefore lob one, one, following a genuine tempo where I think number one will end up folding and, and the Grogfather will go past Golden Sand. And then saving Major Percy will get last crack at them um, from the top of the straight. So it is a little bit map dependent here. But uh, it's been three seventy into three dollars, and I just thought if that map pans out the way I'm hoping it does, then it all of a sudden becomes the one to beat because it'll, uh, saving Major Percy will really thrive from sitting following speed off a genuine tempo, which he'll get today. So that's race eight, number ten, saving Major Percy. Race eight, number ten at Albion Park, saving Major Percy for leader Peter Pete McMullen. Uh, Pistol Pete, it's uh, $3 at the moment. I'd better avoid disappointment. Now, I'll uh, before we let you go, Big Cat, just one final question. I don't think you'd get involved because of the ridiculously expansive and uh, quite ludicrous percentages that they play future markets at. But have you had a nibble at something out wide for a, a Victoria Cup or a New Zealand Cup or an Inter-Dominion Series? I haven't, no. Um, there are a few companies that do have a few markets up. So TAB are currently up on, uh, let me check. They're up on the two Inter-Dominion races, the, the Pacers and the Trotters. Um, but if you, if you, for those that have a sports bet account, they're up on uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight races between now and the end of the year. Um, so for those that, that do like the futures, there's plenty of options there. Uh, even things like the Victoria Derby, Victoria Cup, Lensmith Mile, even the Trotters Derby uh, at Maryborough. So I am not a futures player, um, so I can't even really tip you anything there. Um, other than in the Trotters Inter Dominion, there's one horse that I'd love to see win it, which they're currently betting $11 fifth favourite by the name of Credit Master. See, this is the ridiculous nature of them. I just wish somebody, I, I applaud... <clears throat> Did you say it's sports bet that have got a um, uh, a proliferation of markets at the moment? Yeah, sports bet, sports bet have about eight different eight different well, races up between now and the end of the year. That's a big tick. Well done to them for being on the ball, and they're, they're just uh, they're very good, aren't they? But um, I, what I will say is, it'd just be nice just to have those markets something reasonable because, you know, Credit Master can't be fifth favourite at $11 for an Inter-Dominion final at this point. And, and I, nobody in their right mind could have a bet on that. And it's frightening to think that that price is fifth favourite for an Inter-Dominion uh, trotters market. But um, if they just did it a little bit less, it'd be great promotion for the sport because I know people are having a little bit here and there, particularly trying to look for something 
ride out wide and hope that, that it can uh, run well in one of these big races coming up. But they really just don't give you an opportunity to – well, they don't give anybody an opportunity to have a good go. If you want to limit the bet, that's fine. Just say you can only have a certain amount on on uh, on a futures market. But at a uh, at a more reasonable price, I think, uh, would maybe build the anticipation for those races a little bit more. Great to chat with you, Big Cat. Well done to the pies. Uh, will you be going – you'll be going to the first week, won't you? Um, yeah, possibly. Um, tickets go on sale tomorrow. You've got a you've got you've got a week off. That's the main thing, you know. You can just worry about the, see what I can do. You can just worry about the trots for a week, which is uh, which would be pretty helpful. Um, well done, mate. Well done to the pies. Good luck today with your punting, and uh, we'll chat again next Tuesday. <laughs> He's dropped out. Au revoir to Matty Leopard. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. I'll have a look. Hopefully, they'll be uh, released the fields for Saturday night at Tabcorp Park. Mountain Nine races on the card. Have a quick squiz at them. Second hour. We'll get into some interviews here on the Tuesday edition of Trot's Life.